Apple presents events at the Apple Store. All right, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening guest moderator, IndieWire's Casey Cipriani. Um, thanks for coming out. Um, we're here for Tenured, which is very funny. I watched it last night, but it world premieres tonight at the Tribeca Film Festival at 8.30, if you want to go see it. Um, and we're going to show you the trailer first off. What is settling? Settling in life. Yeah, no wrong answers. The pilgrim settled here. It's wrong answer. Anybody else? I met someone. What? It's really over. I asked my son what he was learning, and he said that nothing lasts forever. I would love to fire him, but I cannot. He has tenure. He's asleep right now. Oh. Mm-hmm. See? Yes. Whose turn is it? Hey, Miss Abigail. Where are your clothes? Hi, Ethan. Matt wandered off, so I, I brought him back. Are you okay? Uh, can we skip that? Come on, guys, let's go. We don't want to get burned. Let's say yes. No! Guys, it's it's just Mr. just Collins? well that. Wait, hold on. Let's just think about what you're I'm doing. I'm officially for, naming please you don't do that director of this year's school play. The knowledge that someone very special is going to be in the audience inspired me to write a new play. Tired of you bringing your mother into everything. Oh, grow up! I don't bring her into anything. Really? You bring her into the bedroom? I think maybe you're not grasping the stakes of the scene. I'm a vegan. Okay, that's okay. Yeah, let's take ten, everyone. You know that if you put this play up, you'll get fired, right? Maybe. But Lauren needs to see this. Hey, narrator. Do you know how this next scene's gonna go? Not well. Paige! Trevor, where are you guys? I don't think your class has recess right now. Man, you know, maybe I really am a bad teacher. I get it. I it up. I wasn't so there for you. Stop. I, I met someone else. I know. You know, you said that was over. We can work through that. Another someone else. Young together. Is that permanent marker? Yeah, your mom's gonna kill me. There was cursing and inappropriate content. Yeah, but it's art or whatever. So please welcome um, the filmmaker Chris Majuno and actors Kate Flannery and Gil Zabarski. Chris, Gill, and Kate fighting over who gets the middle chair, yeah. or as they call it. I have to sit next to me. No one bitch. wants to sit next to Chris. Come on, <laughs> come on down. Let's uh, dive right in here. Um, I watched the film yesterday, and it was really funny. I really enjoyed it. Um, oh, thank you. And I heard that it started out as a short uh, called Teacher of the Year. Can you tell me about how that was developed, and and then you know where where the idea for the short came from initially? Yeah, uh, Gil and I had met, uh, uh, I was teaching at Stone Street Studios, which is part of NYU, and Gil was a student there at the time, and we had worked on another short together. And uh, he had this amazing character that he had developed of this teacher that just sort of speaks in a very adult way to their students. And uh, during sort of our downtime when we were together, he would just pitch me this character. And so it became this thing of we really want to work together on something 
uh, let's figure out where this character comes from. Like, why would he be acting this way? What, what would be a good backstory for him? So. Chris is being really kind. I, I didn't pitch anything so much as I just like do characters sometimes because <laughs> I can't socially connect to people normally and things like that. And um, so I just do characters. And uh, I also used to do it uh, like in high school when we would have, like when the teacher wouldn't come or something or we'd have a substitute, I would get up in front of the class and <laughs> be that guy, you know? I love it. So um, I haven't seen the short, but can you give us a, a quick rundown of, of the plot in that? Is it very similar to Tenured or...? Yeah, I would say it's mu it's much simpler uh, because it's only 17 minutes, and it's you know it's basically just a single day in the life of versus this. Um, you know, we see him basically start out in class and then work through his day of this you know what is essentially the worst day in this person's life. Um, and actually, a lot of the scenes from the short, we basically when we were writing the feature, a lot of the scenes from the short made their way into the feature. But uh, they took on kind of a different life because they had different contexts. We knew a lot more about the characters and their backstory and they developed the characters a lot more. So they had a different sort of meaning in the, sh in the feature. So what inspired you to turn it into a feature film then? Um, we were asked. Yes. Oh, nice. Well, that's always the way That's when inspiration struck, you know? Yeah. We were like, wait, this would be a good feature since someone is asking us to make it a feature. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, and the real answer uh, also that it felt like it could, like it felt like there was, you know, it felt like there was more to say maybe, or that it could live beyond just like a 17 minute thing. Yeah. So when you decided to then turn it into a feature, what were, if any, uh, of the challenges that came with turning your little 17 minute film into a, a feature length project? You know, I think it was, um, it, it, well, I think it was a balancing act of figuring out, we had this, these scenes from the short, and like I said, we used a lot of them and it was, it was sort of figuring out how to connect the dots between them and, and what made sense and who these characters really were. And in making the short, in making short films in general, I think you have to operate a lot in archetypes because you only have such a short amount of time to communicate something to the audience. You have to say, okay, this is the depressed teacher or okay, this character is the, you know, maybe slightly ditzy teacher that works with him but has a heart of gold or whatever. And you, you communicate in these archetypes very quickly whereas with a feature you have the time to sort of explain the characters out and give them a full life and a full arc. So I think that was the big transition is how do we take the material and keep ourselves true to what we did in the short, but fill it out more. Also, if I can give you like an uncharacteristically sincere response to your question, <laughs> um, I feel like when, uh, at least when I started working with Chris on the short, I was fairly young kid. I mean, I'm still a kid, I guess, but I was like, I was 22, 21 or 22. And uh, I think it just, and then a few years went by for various reasons before we had the chance to turn it into a feature. Um, and it was like three or, three or four years later, basically. And I think for me, it was just like an opportunity to maybe process some things or try to make it something that went beyond, um, beyond sort of like a, a short that was almost a sketch, which is sort of in line with what you're saying about archetypes and keeping it sort of surface and things like that. I think it was just a chance to have it maybe mean a little more to me, which I always wanted to have my work mean something to me, but I, I think when I was 22, I just had like no idea what I was doing. You know what I mean? And correct me if I'm wrong, but is this your first feature length yes. project? So yep. you, and you've made the short and you had a few other short projects. What, what's your background? How did you get into filmmaking for? Um, I, what's my background? My background, well, I was born in Massachusetts and no, I was born in New York and I grew up in Massachusetts. and. Um, 
Uh, I always wanted to be in filmmaking, but I sort of started off from the business angle. I started off more in producing and commercials and stuff like that. And, uh, but I always had this goal of, of working in the narrative world. And uh, I started editing and then directing and doing some teaching at NYU and uh, at, at the Stone Street Studios. And that was a place where I was able to sort of foster and work on my writing and stuff like that and, and meet collaborators and just sort of kept going from there. And, you know, I think when Gail and I met, we really felt like uh, we really connected in a lot of ways, and we really sort of made each other laugh a lot, and, and we wanted to, to, you know, put that on paper and, and, and write together, and, and then everything sort of just fell into place after that. So, cool. And yeah. would you go back to teaching? I still do, yeah. Do? I, still, oh, cool. I still teach here and there, yeah, nice. and, and Gil teaches now as well. And now, ironically, I teach where Chris, where I met Chris when he was a teacher. I don't want you. And you're gonna find someone new there that's a student. Some young hotshot, and just and then I'll be out. You know what I mean? <laughs> and Kate, have you ever taught? Huh? <laughs> Has Kate ever taught? <laughs> Kate, have you taught? Uh, I have taught. Yes, yeah. I've taught improv. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, but uh, but in short spurts. Uh, I have no longevity as a teacher. <laughs> Sorry to say. Why, you Disappointed get fired? a lot of students. Oh. No, I don't know. I, I have a limited repertoire. I don't know. But maybe with more application. I got to get my act together. Clearly, I got to get my shit together. I don't have it. <laughs> I'm a selfish actor. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> do we want to watch the first clip? All right, sure. let's do one clip. Does tenure protect a teacher who falls asleep during a parent teacher conference? I honestly can't answer that. He's asleep right now. Oh. Mm hmm. See? Yes. Whose turn is it? Oh, I'm sorry. Are we boring you? <laughs> what do you mean? What was I just talking about? The thing you were saying about your kid. Oh, who's my kid? I'm gonna go with... I mean, what's his name? M math. Really? Okay. Let me make myself perfectly clear here. I am not going to let that man stand in the way of my son getting into Pebble Path Middle School. So, you can either find a way to fire him, or I can find someone who will fire you. Come on, Matt. Matt! I was gonna say Matt. <clears throat> I was gonna say Matt. I smell booze, but that's all I'm saying. Maybe it's Matt. I was seriously gonna say Matt. So, um, Kate Engel, in the film, you're headbutting and you're kind of, you know, toe-to-toe -to -toe, uh, face-offs are one of the really great, great qualities about the film. How did you guys develop that um, banter back and forth and, and those behave the, all the behavior? Well, it started on the page. I mean, it's so well written. We had such a breakneck speed uh, schedule that there wasn't a lot of, like, uh, why do I say this or should I, I don't know if my character would, there was none of that. It was like, it was so well written that it was just like off to the races immediately. Just like on your mark, get set, go for it. Yes. Also, Kate and I are both method actors and would engage in fights constantly. It's true. Just to get each other, to really hate each other. She would throw burning coffee in my face. I thought we were going to talk about this in front of an audience. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. this is yeah. the whole thing, right? is like getting to hate each other even more. Is like, um, she would throw hot coffee in my face, stab me and things like that. Just kidding, by the way, none of that is true. Uh, we, uh, I don't know, Kate's just amazing. Kate's like the kind of person that you hope you get to work with because she seems like she totally gets it and uh, is ready to jump in and 
Uh, and when you're working, it's like you're just having a blast. Well, and it so starts with great yeah. writing, seriously, because there's no, you know, I mean, it's like there was no, like, trying to fix anything. It was already there, you know, which is a rare thing. So these guys are really gifted because so many people have an idea and they, it doesn't necessarily translate immediately. They may get there, but it's a journey. And these guys are like, I mean, it's... And I'm not just saying that because you're probably going to do another project and maybe possibly put me in it. No, but you know, it, but it, it is interesting when when uh, two people can write together and have such a uh, just really get there so quickly. Hey, buddy. Hey, she's talking about us. Aww. I felt good. Look at that. Been through a lot together, so. Um, so Gil, your character's kind of like down on his luck, but generally he's a good guy, um, I'd say, and. Um, you know, he, he seems like there are times when he actually does like his job and likes to teach. Um, as an actor, can you can you relate to that at all? I know I know actors have a very love hate relationship with their careers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, can I relate to it in terms of feeling that way about acting? Oh yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> um, I feel like uh, I mean I, this is probably true for a lot of people that want to do anything creative that um, you love what you do so much and it seems to give you some sense of purpose or hope or like when things are rough or shitty, it's like this amazing thing you can always go to. And then you just, I personally, like everything that surrounds it can be exhausting. Um, and sometimes you're almost like, I wish I didn't just want to do this and nothing else. Um, just because you meet people who don't, you know, are not the most creative people of all time. And you meet, uh, you meet uh, people who aren't really there to do work or to, to focus on anything other than maybe having an attitude problem or something. To answer your question in a short way, yes. Uh, Only yes, long I've, ways allowed. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think I've had that up and down. I mean, things like this make it just so worthwhile because you get to work with people you love and do something you care about and then share it with people. So in moments like this, you kind of forget about the other stuff. But, you know, it's that, you know, if I feel like for any artist, there's a lot of, a lot of shit to climb through. Chris, how about you? Have you ever felt that way as a, as, during your budding film career? Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, I, I think I feel that way about filmmaking, and I, and I, and I think I feel that way about teaching, too. Um, uh, I think everything that Gil said is right on about sort of being an artist in today's world. Uh, I think it's, you know, I think success comes from just staying with it all the time and just being like, I'm going to just keep going. Like, I, I don't know what else to do. I, I think as a teacher, I gave, you know, I would occasionally give advice to actors or to filmmakers who were like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And I was like, if you can think of anything else you'd rather be doing or want to do, go do it, because it's much easier. You know, the people who are in this industry are like, there's nothing else I want to do in life. So, um, and then on the teaching side, uh, you know, I, I actually come from a family of educators. My mother's a high school principal. And um, uh, so I see the, the positives and negatives. You know, I think everybody does today, too, in terms of, a lot of the politics around teaching and a lot of the negative aspects of you know standardized testing and all those kind of things. But on the other hand, it's like, you know, the children in fact are our future, as somebody once great said. So, you know, it's it's an up and down thing. So what does your mom as a high school principal think of your portrayal of Kate's character? <laughs> um, it's <laughs> Kate's not based on my mom. Um, uh, no, she she loves it. She thinks it's hilarious. In fact, Gil and I did for this feature, we did a day of research at her school, meeting with a bunch of teachers and administrators and just saying like, what are the things that, you know, you, what are the stories you guys think of? What are the things that bother you? And 
you know, what, what's broken and that, and that kind of thing, so. Cool. Um, Kate, about your character, one of my favorite scenes actually in the film, it's very funny, I'm not gonna give anything away though, is, um, is your scenes with your assistant. And I, I remember one where he, he's braiding your hair. Um, <laughs> tell, tell, tell us about kind of uh, creating this, this person who is kind of so, such a hard ass and yet so kind of devoted to her job, but yet kind of ridiculous. Um, in that she forces her assistant to do these crazy things. Um, tell well, us about... I do think that there are many people that have very funky motives for doing their job, and I think that um, um, my character is definitely one of those people. I think there's weird ego things that are involved with her that have nothing to do with the kids. It's sort of how she looks or, or what kind of authority she can... You know, how she could throw her weight around, which, you know, kind of goes back to the kind of the grimacing things about being an actor, because I think sometimes actors like to get more powerful because they have weird motives. So it's just, you know, it's so much fun to play somebody who has crappy motives. What's, what's interesting about Kate's character too is that, you know, she is in a lot of ways the villain of the story. She's the antagonist and, you know, her motives are weird and everything she said is right on. But there's this other side to her character that's like, no, of course this human being should not be teaching children. Like, <laughs> she's coming from a place of righteousness, but we, we've sort of spun it around and made her the villain in that way. So. Yeah, you're, you're, both of your characters are very kind of yin and yang. You're, yours is kind of like always on, and Gil's is kind of like never on. Yeah. <laughs> it's never a good day. No. <laughs> Do we want to watch the uh, second clip? Okay, guys, that last Gruber visit was a pretty close call, you know, so we're going to have to try to actually learn something. I'm sorry. Let's see. Uh, it was our founding fathers who secured the independence of... Um, Blah, blah, blah. That's, uh, um, yeah, I'm just gonna jump ahead here. Um, the British and whatnot. Okay, so you guys know that basically we used to belong to England and then England got weird about it, right? Did you know that? Can we skip that? Hey, Trevor, could you put your bag on the floor, please? Thank you. Um, so, next up, we've got Thomas Jefferson. What's that? A tape recorder. Why do you have it? To record the lesson. Why? To help me with my homework. Fine. Yeah, knock yourself out. Okay. Where was I? Um, Jefferson something? Thomas Jefferson. That's boring. We can skip that. Uh, okay. Uh, the Constitution. No one cares. Okay. Um, Civil War. No one cares. I did not mean it like that, Andrew. I care very much. Oh, you know what, here's actually, this one's kind of interesting. Watergate. It was a, a wiretapping scandal. Like a spying thing. The year was 1972. took place at a hotel. 
the Watergate Hotel. President Richard Nixon was in office at the time. And everyone involved considered it an enormous and unforgivable betrayal. The country never recovered. You could say that all of our country's problems are due to Watergate. So I think this would be a good time to break out into discussion groups and discuss the various lessons and interesting things that we reviewed this morning. So if you all don't mind, simply... Okay, emergency recess. Come on, guys, get out of here. So what is the, the saying is never work with dog, animals or children and children? Tell that, us about, uh, you know, finding your, the kids for the cast and, and working with children, both of you. Um, well, so first of all, when we did the short, we of course worked with children as well. And I said, man, I loved that. I'm never doing that again. Thank God that was my <laughs> one experience working with children. And then we got a call to make a feature out of it. Um, but it, you know, the kids were amazing. I mean, they were so funny. Uh, you know, we did have very little time shooting this, but when we did have time to sort of let them improv and try stuff, they would come up with amazing things too. And uh, they were just, they were just really awesome to work with. Yeah, we got lucky with the kids, thank God. And uh, also, the kid, uh, the kid was up there, Maddox, who plays Trevor, was like. He would like tr you know give me acting lessons and stuff, which was great. Um, and he would be like, like I'd be done. He'd be like, "What's wrong with you?" And I'd be like, "Well, you know, this is a sad scene, man. I kind of want to feel sad." And he was like, "Why?" And I was like, "Well, I'm just trying to get into it." He's like, "I don't think you should do that." And I was like, "Why?" He's like, "I don't need to do that." And I was like, "Well, you are a better actor than I, sir." <laughs> but he was right, actually. He really was always just kind of ready to go. Yeah. Oh, maybe I should have listened to him. Okay, sorry. Well, now you know. <laughs> Next question. And Kay, did you have many scenes with the kids, or uh, trying to recall? And a few, not not as many. Or and, and if if I did, it was it was with Gil. So um, he was sort of, uh, you know, controlling the mob, if you will. But there uh, is there is also one scene that actually sets up this clip where Kate meets clandestinely with Trevor to hire him to spy on Gil's character, and that's sort of the the setup of of what's happening here too. So. And the whole film has. Um, a, a kind of a stylized quippiness to it. Can you tell us about uh, developing that and, and how you find kind of the ambiance? Because there's, it, it can be very snappy and very um, presentational, if you will. Yeah, I think that that's sort of how Gil and I work, think and make each other laugh and, and write. And, um, you know, our style is, has evolved over the, you know, the last four or five years that we've worked together, but one thing that always seems to hold true is that we don't really let something get on the page unless we're both like, yes, that's the exact line we want there. And I think, and I want, you to, I want to hear your opinion on this too, but I think what that does is it just keeps elevating each line where it's like, okay, that's pretty good, but I think we can do something better. What about this? And, and we keep almost trying to like one up, not each other, but the script in a way of like, no, there's a better line, there's a better line, there's a better line. And I think that's where that sort of quick wit tennis tennis match back and forth comes comes out yeah I would agree with that I also think there's just something great that there's like a certain velocity you can achieve sometimes with dialogue especially in comedy that is like this sweet spot that um, 
that can be hard to, to figure out sometimes. And I think it starts with, with just sort of structuring it. Like we, I think we try to structure it to the point that it sounds like it's just kind of off the cuff and very on top of each other and things like that. Um, I mean, I know for me personally, I, I need that structure just because I get very obsessive about it seeming, you know, seeming rhythmically appropriate. Yeah. So since the film is about a fifth grade classroom, why don't we take a trip back in time? <laughs> Tell me your worst elementary or middle school memory. Oh my God, I have one unless you want to go. Go for okay. it. I, uh, had, I was in love with the teacher named Miss Maynard when I was in fifth grade, Candace Maynard. Um, and love is like putting it mildly. She literally like, I feel like is the reason I hit puberty. You know what I'm saying? Um, no, could you expand on that? No, not right now, but I will later. Uh, I, so I was just like always just like just pathetically wanting to impress her and stuff like that. And she was like very beautiful and very just incredible. And uh, I don't even remember how this happened, but I think we had like four classes when I was in, this was sixth grade actually. We had four classes and I usually had math last. And I would go to the bathroom every day during math. That was my routine. And then one day for some reason they switched around our classes and I was used to going to the bathroom and then back to Miss Maynard's room. And then my social studies teacher let me go to the bathroom. And because I was so used to going back to my math classroom, instead of walking back to homeroom, I walked to the math classroom and just like opened the door and looked up and it was like a whole different bunch of students and like Miss Maynard looking at me and everybody. And then I didn't want to like admit that I'd made a mistake. So I just like approached her in front of the class and she was like, yes, what do you need? And I was like, I came here to ask you something. Literally, I had no idea what to ask her. And she was like, what? She's like, okay, right now? I was like, yes. Clearly, I walked in in the middle of your class. It must be important. Um, and she's like, what is your question? I was like, I had a question about mountain math or some stupid thing. And then, uh, and then my homeroom teacher walked in while I was up there. And she's like, she's like, Gil Zabarski, what are you doing in this room? And I was like, no, no. She's like, I tell you, you can go to the bathroom and you're walking around visiting other rooms. And I was just like, no, no, it's not what it seems. And like, was having a panic attack at like the age of 12. And then, and she's like, get, she's like, get back in the room. We're going to discuss this. And Ms. Main, the worst part was Ms., the shame in Miss Maynard's eyes. You know, I really blew it with her. That's your next movie. That's the next movie. The shame in Miss Maynard's eyes. The shame eyes. in Miss Maynard's I'd, eyes. I'd go to see it. An inappropriate uh, child teacher romance. <laughs> Well, I got really stressed out even just talking about that. I really I wonder thought I would where go she is. after 18 years. We'll have to find her. And uh, she actually Facebook messaged me <gasps> oh. very recently because she saw a trailer for this. And the kid, this is not a joke, the kid's name is Trevor Maynard. Do you remember <gasps> that? Uh, and and uh, <laughs> I just realized how weird that is now that I'm actually saying it out loud. But didn't I'm, you, I'm didn't not you obsessed co write this thing? Huh? Didn't you help write this, this yes. script? Yes. We'll go so. with yes on that. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I. Uh, she messaged me and she's like, oh my God, we're so proud of you and stuff. And I didn't know, she had like kids or something. So I was like, forget it. <laughs> you never know. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, I can't top that. So I'm just, hey, oh, go ahead. Oh, sure. <laughs> uh, I, um, I got in trouble for passing around a note that um, uh, we had a nun who, this is like when the nuns had, they still wore uh, the veil, but you could see their hair. And uh, this nun had, I won't say her name because she might be in the room. Um, but she was Italian. She had curly, thick uh, black hair and like a mustache. She was a woman. She was a mustache. So um, I wrote a note that uh, said, uh, um, "Sister Sweathog, Sister Cater." It was like a, uh, like a. I was. I thought she looked like Gabe Kaplan from Wackenbach Cotter, and I was. I wanted to pass a note anyway. And I got caught. And she, you know, I wasn't wrong, but Did I she got freak in trouble. Out? Yeah, she actually. She kept the whole class for like. I mean, it was. We didn't get to go to lunch because it took me a while to admit it. 
Oh. So everybody got in trouble. She probably hates that show now. <laughs> I'm sure she does. Welcome back, Carter. Catholic school nuns are tough, man. Yeah. Was I'm surprised she didn't whack you with the ruler on the knuckles or something. That's scary. Yeah, it was sort of like right when the, the parents were starting to go like, hey, wait a second, that's my kid. Uh, um, as opposed to like my older siblings who were like just sort of un... Uh, you know, unguarded and, and never stood up for it. Jesus Christ. I'm not, I'm not going to let you get away with it. Um, I had a girl whose name was uh, Stacy Silverman, I think. And it was she third grade. She clearly meant a lot to you. Uh, it was the last day of third grade, and she decided to communicate to me that she liked me. So she's like, I have to tell you a secret. And I was like, okay. And so she whispered in my ear, I really like you. And then she kissed me in my ear, like while she was whispering to me. Like she, <laughs> Kiss me in my ear. And so the next three girls that I liked successfully, I kissed in their ear because I just figured that's how you that's how you did it. There you go. Is that that's wrong though, right? That's not how you do it. I'm not really sure. Okay. When did this happen? This happened <laughs> when last you were a week. kid. No, okay. last week. Last week. Okay, so I'll I'll spare you any more horror stories. Tell me, um, the three of you about your favorite the favorite teacher that you ever had. Oh, Miss Maynard. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> um, go no. ahead. My piano teacher, Mrs. Lyons, she was the greatest. Uh, and what's funny is that she was a, um, a piano teacher, but one of her fingers was missing a nail. <laughs> and I remember like thinking, like, even with a handicap, she can help. I mean, I, I, I felt like I, I have, t have 10 perfectly fine fingers. I better step up my game because she was so good. Oh. But I loved her because I, she always let me, um, she gave me like an extra five minutes for every class and let me sort of improvise. Like that, that stuff my other teacher would never let me do. So I loved, I feel like she sort of was the first really creative arts teacher I had and like supported like something else other than what was on the page. I'll tell you who one of my favorite teachers I've ever had is this guy right here. And I'll tell you why. Uh, and this is actually another sincere answer, which I really promised myself no sincere answers, but whatever. Um, something that, he, that kind of Chris made me feel, which I try to tell my students at NYU, or just kind of anyone who wants to do something creative, is I feel like there's a lot of people out there in the industry, I hope this is an okay thing to say, uh, who have no idea what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing, they don't know what they want. Like, um, and they're oftentimes in a position of authority. And if you're lucky, like we've been lucky enough to work with people who are not that way, uh, then, then you can do some pretty great things. But I think it's important to sort of keep in mind that you need to figure yourself out really, really well um, and get to know yourself and what it is you bring to the table and see if you can apply that kind of specific quality or, or strength about yourself into all of your work and hope that the opportunity meets it. And I think that so many times, especially when you're doing something creative, at least in my experience at NYU, teachers don't come from that place. They come from a negative place or it's an ego thing or it's sort of maybe about their own their own issues is what the class becomes about. And uh, Maduno, that's the Chris Maduno right next to me, he was like the first time. That's me. That's Chris. <laughs> uh, that was literally, no joke, the one of the only times ever in trying to do something creative that I had a teacher who was like not about any of that, who uh, was, uh, that it was literally just about the work and about coming at it from a positive place and a practical place and like, you're still in the running to do the thing you love. Let's not focus on how impossible it is. Let's like, lift you up. And I bring that to my students today. That's my real answer. This guy right here. Thanks, man. You're welcome, dude. It helps to be drunk every day when you're teaching. Yeah. yeah he was drunk every day, yes. Um, <laughs> that's very nice. Uh, my answer, I sat in on Gil's class yesterday, so my answer is Gil. But then also my answer <laughs> is I had a third grade teacher named Mrs. Moore. And anytime anyone ever asked me who's your favorite teacher, I'd always say Mrs. Moore was my favorite teacher ever. And literally no one's ever asked me why before. And I have no idea why. I remember none of her classes. I remember <laughs> nothing about her. 
I just always know that my standard answer for who's your favorite teacher is Mrs. Moore. My Wait, why? Come on, man. No, I honestly have no idea. I don't okay. remember any of it. You remember what she looks like? She had curly hair. Did she exist? No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, shout out to the teachers out there. Yeah. yeah. Tough, tough job. Um, we're going to take some audience questions now. Great. Now, maybe I didn't get the full story, but you were saying that this was a short, then somebody all of a sudden out of the blue commissioned this for a feature. I want to hear the story of how they went about seeing the short and then coming to you. And who is this secret financer that is, maybe we're, we need to know this. Yeah, and uh, it's Fox Digital Studio. And in fact, they're here in the audience. Uh, two members, Arby and Steve back there. Arby Pedrosian and Steve Hine. They're amazing. Fox Digital Studio, thank you guys yeah. for everything. Uh, Arby originally saw the short online. I think it was being hosted on a website called Shorts of the Week. Our film premiered on Funny or Die online. Uh, but it originally started, it all really started with the Tribeca Film Festival in 2012. They had the film first and have been so supportive to us as filmmakers since then. It wasn't just showing the short at the film festival. Uh, they put it online in their own section. Uh, Sharon Badal has a section called Sharon's Picks, which she put it on. And then they put it on United Airlines, on the Tribeca channel on United Airlines. So they really foster growth for filmmakers and have been so amazingly supportive to us. And you know, all that exposure really helped get it out there. So. Where did you guys get your inspiration for this movie? Inspiration, inspiration, what is that? Um, <laughs> uh, my honest answer is that, uh, well, this isn't gonna be much of an answer. That's my sister, by the way. Um, yeah, let's hear from my, Asking she's the tough honestly, question. guys, like, as far as sisters go, jackpot. Um, Wait, so is she implying that maybe she had something to do with it? Is that what you're implying, Karen? <laughs> She is funnier than I am. It's true. She's actually she's better than at everything than I am. Uh, <laughs> Karen and I have a movie coming out next year. Whoa! Uh, so you check that uh, out. First time hearing about that, but whatever. Um, okay, the real answer is, and I actually kind of alluded to this before. Great question, by the way, Karen. I love you. Um, I alluded to this before, but I feel like to be like completely honest, when I was like a 22-year-old kid and had done this thing in high school or whatever, and like continued to just do it as a sketch to like anyone that would listen. The inspiration was that I wanted to make people laugh and I thought it was being funny and interesting. Um, it's, it doesn't go deeper than that. The, the weird thing about getting the opportunity to do the feature is that it, and the fact that it just kind of came later in life, uh, 26 years old, as opposed to a little younger, is that it just, some weird kind of inspirations of just like about my own feelings of failure or my own feelings of hurting people I care about and other things I needed to process in sort of an intense way that it just sort of aligned in, in a strange way and it it um, it wasn't it was interesting but because Fox Digital reached out to us it was an opportunity that we were so excited about but it's sort of like it became I feel like there was just inspiration and things that seeped into it because of just what was going on with us and I don't know if when I was 22 I was just like a shithead and didn't know how to do that or or maybe as I, as I got a little bit older I needed to do that but it, it seemed to I think a lot of what you see up there just has to do with my feelings of like the parts about myself that I like the least. There's my incredibly depressing answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, just to ride on top of that incredibly depressing answer a little bit. Um, I think that Gil, Gil and I as uh, writers and artists find the, we find the humor in a couple of things. One, we find the humor in sort of worlds colliding is one of our favorite terms. But I think we also find 
humor and these sort of incredibly heavy, heavy emotional things. You know, it's, you know, the tragedy plus time equals comedy kind of thing. I think that we, we like being in that world to some extent and, and exploring it and not being afraid of it. Um, you know, there's a, there's a moment at the, at the end that I won't totally give away, but it, it, it has some heavy things that happen in it, but we always sort of recontextualize that from a, from a comedy perspective. And, um, you know, I think it's, it, it's, it's part of how you decide to travel through life, is if you want to just find it, the world unbelievably depressing and that's it, you can do that. Or you can also look at it and say, at some point, I may find this funny and, and uh, turn, turn it around and make it a good thing. So. Thank you. I was just wondering whether you might be thinking of a television series. Based on this yes. as a show. Um, yeah, we've talked about it definitely. It's it's um, something. It's an idea that we played around with. The character definitely has, the character and the situation definitely have an evergreen aspect to them, where there's a lot to explore. Um, and you know, I, I think it's so relatable because everybody has their own sort of educational path that they deal with, and they and they deal with amazing teachers, and they deal with terrible teachers, and they deal with teachers that are amazing, but they can't remember why when they tell stories about them, so. Can I say, I would totally watch this show if it was on. I'm oh, saying. Kate. I would. I would. That's very sweet. Even if you recast. You'd be I watching watch yourself it. on it. <laughs> Every day. So I wanted to ask, in terms of uh, preparing for the character, you mentioned you go and do the method, med, method acting. Yes. How does that affect you in translating then back to your life, and how do you get out of it sure. once the movie is done? Let me just be totally clear. I was being incredibly facetious about that. Um, <laughs> I wish well I was a done. good enough actor to be a method actor. I think that, uh, honestly, another like super sincere response um, that Chris and I kind of talked about the other night, I feel like... Uh, Again, with just the timing of my life and things like that, a lot of what's going on up there was just sort of me, you know, suffering leisurely and uh, Chris capturing a lot of it on camera. Not because I am a method actor or even necessarily subscribe to that, but uh, just because I was, you know, going through some shit. And it felt like it, it felt like why not bring it into it if it, if it works and at least try to commit to whatever's going on with me. But um, I, think, uh, I think there are occasionally moments where I try to, like, make myself feel more grounded in something, but... Mostly for me, you know, silly actor talking stuff, but mostly for me it's just about figuring out what the character needs. And if I can figure out what they need from the other people in the scene, what they need from themselves, it usually, it usually falls into place. I also listen to a lot of Depeche Mode and it gets me in the mood, you know? I was gonna say, I also think when there's a short period of time, there's less time to wrestle. You make decisions much quicker. You go much more with your instinct. And so it's, it's not the rehearsals that bring you to that to that day, but like all your experience up to that moment because you don't have time to, you can't, you can only break it down so much because there's, there's just not enough time. Yes. Which yeah. is good. I agree. Okay. So, um, I think that's really interesting what you said about the worldview and everything. Um, but, and I, and I never thought about it that way, but does that mean that collectively you wouldn't consider doing um, things other than comedy, as in, you know, drama, because that to you feels negative? Interesting. No. I mean, for me, no. Uh, because That's a negative. It, you just said something negative. Yes, yeah, so I'm being negative. Okay. Let me be unnegative about your question about negativity. 
Um, no, no. Uh, the real the real answer is that that stuff doesn't feel negative to me. I'll, I'll speak for myself, and then Chris can see if he agrees or not. He better agree though. Um, I think that um, I think that there's a certain thing that at least when Chris and I met and were sort of joking around all the time or approaching material in a certain way that we were just like we love living in this world. This comes easily to us. Why not run with this sort of energy or or type of character or something like that? Um, Having said that, I feel like we are starting to, we're getting a lot of opportunities to do that. And I feel like for both of us, we, we kind of want to see how much, uh, how much deeper we can go, just in terms of having it continue to mean more. I personally think like the work can always just mean a little more to you on a personal level. And uh, maybe, maybe confront some stuff that scares us. Uh, but no, I, I want to, you know, there's a million stories I want to tell personally. But, uh, but yeah, to, I, that's a great question. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with what Gil's saying. I, I would add to that that um, as, as a filmmaker, this movie is clearly a comedy, but it has dramatic elements in it, and it, ha it deals with sort of very dramatic things. Uh, so I could also very easily, uh, I, would, I would very much like to and could very easily see myself making a drama that had comedic elements in it. And, you know, you start to gray those areas out, but I think that, you know, even in the most, some of the most intense drama movies, films that exist, there are still some like, you need that pressure valve relief. You need that sort of lighter, comedic, I can't believe this thing just happened in then this moment kind of stuff. And uh, I, I would love to, so I, even if I, if I was exploring drama, I would also be looking for those moments to be like, okay, let's give the audience a breather here too, so. But yeah, I, I, don't, I don't feel like I just wanna be doing comedy or just doing, one thing or the other. So. Well, thanks so much for coming out, guys. Thanks, Tenured guys. Thank you. Tonight and place throughout the festival. Yeah, over the weekend. Good